reluctantly crouched at the starting line. Engines pumping and thumping in time. The green light flashes, the flags go up. Churning and burning, they yearn for the cup. They deftly maneuver and muscle for rank. Fuel burning fast on an empty tank. Reckless and wild, they pour through the turns. Their prowess is potent and secretly stern. As they speed through the finish, the flags go down. The fans get up and they get out of town. The arena is empty, except for one man still driving and striving as fast as he can. The sun has gone down and the moon has come up. And long ago, somebody left with the cup. But he's driving and striving and hugging the turns and thinking of someone for whom he still burns. He's going the distance. He's going for speed. Welcome to Talking Giants, presented by DraftKings. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. We got ourselves a mailbag. But we also have to talk about a person who is not well, guys. I have to go get a COVID test because I feel sick. Well, and Daniel Jones is injured. Yeah, yeah. So there's there's two there's two people that aren't well, who are significant in our lives. But unlike Daniel Jones, I'll fight through it. No, no. Let's. I mean, we'll. Um, wow. No, we'll, let's let's talk about Daniel Jones, and we'll do the we'll announce the new patrons and get into the mailbag, Justin. I mean, let's get let's get right into it. Daniel Jones is injured, strained his neck on the second play of the game, too. By the way. Um, you know, we, we, you, you texted me as I was like, like tweeting it out. I was like, check out the second play to see if that was it. And then a few minutes later, it was, it was confirmed that that was it. Um, so per Bobby Skinner, it was the second play. <sighs> Stating the obvious, this sucks. This sucks. And I think it sucks more, Justin, because Freddie Kitchens is our offensive coordinator and not Jason Garrett. If Jason Garrett was our offensive coordinator, it would suck just because it's our starting quarterback and every game matters. But it sucks because when Jason Garrett was fired, we talked about how valuable these seven next seven games are going to be in evaluating Daniel Jones. That's two people who aren't like totally out on Jones, but also not like, you know, not just like full bloom in love with him the way I may have been a couple of years ago. Um, you know, where I, it's like I like him, but it's like until he until he until he does the damn thing, I can't say he's the guy. So these next seven games with Freddie Kitchens or six games were going to mean a lot, and it, I'm worried that we might lose a good chunk of them and maybe even more. Yeah. Hi, Bobby Skinner. Um, my emotions right now, I'm more frustrated and close to angry than any game this year, than like the Falcons game, than the Washington game, you know, because we've lost a lot of football games as the years have gone on, right? But you hit the nail on the head. These six games, these seven games, and especially now these six games, right? Because you had a week against the Eagles. It was a short week. You implemented a game plan. It was the first week with Freddie Kitchens taking over. They did some different different things. Okay, let's expand upon it against a Brian Flores defense that's good, but it's still somewhat familiar since you have so many guys on this coaching staff that are tied to Brian Flores. <clears throat> so this was a big game, and the every single game from this point on, is a big game, regardless of, you know, playoff spot, winning games for the sake of winning games because you want the record to look good. It was big because of tendencies, and these were huge. These were huge, huge games, and I was so excited to see. And if I had to make a pie chart, it would be most of that pie chart would be because of Daniel Jones. It's like, we need to see this guy because without that 2019 and without him actually scoring all those touchdowns, we would be ready to move on from Daniel Jones. If 2020 was his rookie season, I would be done. I would be done. But Bobby, he could come back after the Miami game, and this could be mincemeat. 
But if he misses an extended period of time for the third year in a row in three years, I'm starting to think about drafting a QB this year. I'm starting to think about it. It's impossible to not, you know, it's impossible to not, you know, because like you said, you mentioned the rookie season, but that's, you know, that's, that's two years ago now. And, you know, this season, it hasn't been like bad for Daniel Jones. It's been just middle of the road, you know, and middle of the road isn't good. Now I still like, I still fall into the like, Hey, even if he's not the guy, like just let's get this offensive line. Right. And then you can maybe you you can do something the next year. Right. When I, I when I say this, Bobby, like I'm not saying, Oh, I have my quarterback and I love this quarterback class. No, but I'm talking about as a fan, it creeps into my brain. If Daniel Jones for the third season or all misses an extended period of time towards the latter end of the season, by the way, when, you know, I know this team is a losing team, but games still matter. And especially you can argue in 2021, these games at the end of this season matter even more than last year, even though we were in the NFC East race, but that was a disgrace of an NFC East race, right? These games matter even more in year three than they did in any other previous year. So missing these games hurt. So I'm not saying, oh, I have my quarterback and I know which guy that I want to take and I'm going to, you know, put the, put the, you know, my investment and put my brain and my heart all in on them. No, but I'm going to start to think about it. And I, you have no other choice if he misses an extended period of time. And that's an if at this point. Yeah, I mean, we came into this year talking about how year three is huge, you know, regardless of circumstances where it's like, you kind of have to be, after year three, you kind of have to be a little bit of a, of like a meathead with your evaluation, you know, kind of has to be like, is yeah. it like, yes, it, you kind of have to be close to yes or no. Um, but now, it sucks. It, again, it really they can, does they suck. can come back next year and he can ball out and, and every, you know, we know how things change in this league, you know, and, and it does change for certain guys. Yeah. No, you know, it's not the, it's not the, it's not the most common thing, but it does happen. Um, but I mean, again, like this is more so than, you know, lo- winning and losing versus Miami this week. It's about evaluating Daniel Jones, because yep. I do think of with Freddie Kitchens, there was, there was changes this week. Um, you know, and we, I mean, we talked about it, you know, on the Monday pod, like we were, you know, at least I was more a little down on Jones for this game. I was like, he missed some throws. Now we find out he's freaking, freaking. This guy here, and now let me preface this with being tough doesn't make you a franchise QB, but it does make me love him a little bit. Yeah. How freaking tough this son of a bitch is, dude. I mean, to the second play of the game, not only did he finish the game, Justin, he ran the ball eight more times. You know, most of those were design runs. You know, last year playing, finishing, you know, essentially finishing the Arizona game with a sprained ankle and a bad hamstring on on the on the other uh, on the other leg. You know, the you know the Green Bay game sprains his ankle. Two plays later, he's rolling out to his left, turning and throwing the ball twenty yards down the field across his body, off of the you know off of just the one foot, the sprained ankle. You know, at Duke, you know, was it? I think he broke his collarbone and was back in like two or three weeks. Yeah. Uh, or or Brian Poor has Duke gang saying clavicle. Rest in peace, David Cutcliffe. Not actually, but he's no longer at Duke um, as an honorary, honorary member of Duke gang. But so yeah, it's like. It's again. It doesn't make him a franchise QB, but it's like I kind of do love his toughness. You know, the running over great drip. But this is the negative side. Like it's happened on three design running plays. You know, this yeah. one I won't fault play calling because it was an outside run. Where the last two years, I'm like, let's not run him between the tackles like he's Cam Newton. This one was just like, hey, he didn't. He slid, but he didn't do a great job of sliding. And I also hate how guys like when they sl- when def- like it's not really a total dirty play justin but i do hate that when a qb does slide like they could literally just like jump on top of him but whatever it's, it's there's no changing that now 
Yeah, there's eventually going to be a day where you're just not going to be able to touch quarterbacks. Uh, he has I, to be I, smarter I, with his body. He he does. He he, he does. Um, but you know, for all the reasons you mentioned of Daniel Jones being tough, that's one. I I like Daniel Jones as a football player. I I do. You know, you mentioned at the top of the show, or it's year three, and you got to be tough on Daniel Jones. And you know, at this point, you know, I don't. I, you know, maybe you don't like him as much as you did in 2019, and you got to be tough on him, and you got to evaluate him. I like Daniel Jones. Like when we list players that we like and players that we want to root for, you know, it's Andrew Thomas, Kadarius Tony, Xavier McKinney, and, and Daniel Jones is right up there with those guys that we want to root for because we enjoy watching them play the game of football. We we do game in and game out. I feel like we do. You know, when if Jones isn't making those turnovers, he's a guy that you want to root for. I think he's an easy guy that you want to an easy guy to. Root and he's over like he is overhated. You know, like you can be a, like there's reasons to be critical of DJ, but he he is overheated hated because he's the New York QB and that comes right. with the territory. Um, but we're getting to a point. You know, we're getting to yeah, a, it's, you it's, know a fork in the road moment. You know, yeah, it's where it's like you know situation doesn't. It matters, but it's also like it, you, we have to make a decision on the fifth-year option this offseason type yep. thing, uh, which isn't the worst thing in the world if you pick up the fifth-year option and it ends up biting you. And it's you know it's not a it's not a world ender. No uh, one year know. one year deals never really uh, cost you that much at the end of the day. So, but you know, like I can see myself, you know, on a February mailbag podcast being like, you know what, I think I might just not pick it up, and then if he plays really well, franchise tagging him. And, you know, going from there type thing. You know, the, um, it, it all comes down to alternatives at the quarterback position, right? Um, if the franchise falls in love with another guy, whether it's a via free agency route, via a trade, if it's realistic, or via the draft, then you, you, you think about it. And that I'm not a – I don't think anybody is really that awesome at evaluating QBs. I don't even think NFL teams are really that great at evaluating no, horrible QBs. At it. It's you know? kind of funny how bad they are at evaluating quarterbacks. You know, everybody, nobody is great at evaluating quarterbacks. So that's why I'm not going to sit here. Even even if we get to that February podcast and there's somebody that I like, I, I, I'm still not going to be banging the table for that guy. And if I am, you know, punch me in the face and show me this clip. So, you know, it, it I'm just, I'm frustrated. I am more frustrated right now than I am after any game because of how significant the final stretch of this season is for this team. And now it's basically like, well, well, what now? <laughs> you know? Yeah, and again, Hopefully if, he comes if, back. if Jason Garrett was the OC, I, I, this would honestly sting a lot less. But it was like, finally, they fired Jason Garrett, and now, and you know, the Dolphins' defense is really good. But Tony might be back this week. Even Shep might be back this week. I was so excited to watch the offense oh. this weekend. I know they played bad on Sunday, but I was so excited. I was like, man, Tony's gonna fit right in with this new offense. You know, and and, and they were on a short week last week, so there's gonna be even more wrinkles. You know, the Eagles had the lowest de uh, average depth of target, so it was hot. You know, you couldn't really take the deep shots that uh, Freddie Kitchen's offense might in other weeks. And you know, it's now that's that's all gone. Like I was very excited to watch this offense this week, even though the offense hasn't proved, given me any reason to be excited. I was very excited to watch it this week. And he's week but, to week, but I'm more or less leaning that it's it it may be that a, Carpenter it may be a few tweet kind of I I don't I shouldn't believe it, but I believe it. Could, should we read it since maybe not everybody knows it got what you're deleted. But basically, what we'll say is some random person on Twitter. Random. I don't even think he's a Giants fan. At 2 o'clock p.m. basically said, like, hey, I'm not a source. And it's and random, you know. It's not – there's people out there who try and, you know, rabble-rouse and, you know, the West Steinbergs and another accounts. This guy and, was not that. You know, like our, our friends at Clapback will do it sometimes, and it's pretty funny. Um, he's just like, hey, like, I'm not a news guy, but, you know, Mike Carpenter is friends with the Mayor kids, 
and said that Daniel Jones uh, is out for the season. The Giants won't say uh, – they'll just say he's out for the game, but he's he's done for the year. And that happened at 2 o'clock. And then they signed Jake Fromm, and then we're like, there's a reason they signed Jake Fromm. They didn't sign Jake Fromm because they liked him. And we could talk and about they Jake signed him to the, they signed him to the active roster. They didn't just sign him to the practice squad. They signed Jake Fromm from the Buffalo Bills practice squad to the 53-man squad because the Giants had that one spot open. Yeah. So it was like as soon as that happened, I was like, something's up. I was like, until I see tomorrow's injury report, I'm gonna be feeling really nervous. And then uh, Tom, is it Pelaroso or Pelicero? I, I I get it wrong all the time. I feel like but it's anyways, Pelicero. I feel like that. Makes and he more did sense. it in like three different tweets. Like, just get all your information at once and go. Oh, buddy. can can we also say this about the media? Why do usually our beat reporters never get scoops on anything? Like, why are we hearing everything from Ian Rappaport? Why are we hearing everything from Pelos, you know, whoever, Jason LaConfora comes out, you know, with the with the Garrett report. We have I feel like we have good we have good quality beat reporters, and some of them, even if they're not good quality, they get scoops and they get news. Why is it at least some of the bigger stuff is not coming from our own people? Why? This is huge. And nobody knew? Nobody knew. And this John, this John guy with his carpenter new? I tried working sources. As soon as the Jake Fromm stuff, I just started texting everyone. Like, hey, you got any? Like, is, is like, is, and then like 15 minutes later, it comes out they, that Jones was injured. Nobody knew. Nobody. Yeah. So, but I, listen, we're not, whether that carpenter tweet is real, I, I, I wouldn't take any credence in it, but part of me does, you know, and I usually don't. Like, I usually ignore stuff like that, but for some reason, I just had a feeling this one was like, I texted you. I was like, I was like, I, I was like, I kind of have a feeling that this is true. Yeah. Um, when the front, and then obviously Jones got, you know, the guy deleted the tweet too, so it wasn't like he was just looking the troll or get attention. Um. Anyways, going forward, Mike Lennon is going to be the starter. We could talk a little bit more on Friday's preview pod, and then Jake Fromm was signed. Um, which I do want to talk about Jake Fromm because it's because of your love for him. Oh yeah. Um, Joy. <laughs> Glenn. There's no such thing as a good backup QB, but Glennon, for a backup QB, comparatively, I think is actually a good backup. Like, he might be the best backup of our of this century, you know? Like, maybe David Carr, but, like, what, what did David... If David Carr was drafted in the third round instead of 1-1, would anyone say that, you know, Mike Glennon, would he, like, he's a better backup QB? Like, like, he's got arm talent, and he's not afraid. Like, that can you can win a game like that. Now, he makes stupid mistakes, and he's not a good quarterback, with, you know, Tony's breakout game, hundred yep. like 160 of 195 yards were were thrown by Mike Glennon. Now, he threw two bad, like really bad interceptions. Um, but, like, the offense shouldn't be, like, totally – it shouldn't be like Seattle Colt McCoy last year. Maybe this is just a game where we just say screw it and we just let our playmakers make plays where – Kenny Galladay gets contested catch opportunities. Does Brian Flores still like to run single high safety? We'll talk about that on Friday. Um, you know, at least when Patrick Graham was with Brian Flores in Miami, that's all that they ran in 2019 was single high, single high. If they're running single high, you know, Mike Glennon, use that big arm strength, use that big arm, and you have years of experience. I trust that you can give Kenny Galladay a contested catch opportunity, all right? Kadarius Tony, target him in the, in the intermediate part of the field. First read, get the ball out of your hands quick. Kadarius Tony yards after the catch. Can this be a game where we just let these guys rock and roll? Uh, that's that's a possibility. Simplify the game plan for the quarterback. 
and let these skill position players and the guys that you drafted in the first round, the guys that you gave, the guy that you gave $72 million, let them rock and roll. So, Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll kind of think about it more with the preview, but today we're, we're thinking yeah. about Daniel Jones. I'm a little bit more emotional right now. <laughs> yeah. I, really, I'm not a, I, as. Maybe it's because I might have COVID and I'm thinking more about that. Um, I don't blame you. And I'm mad that, that I don't have the film review done yet because yeah. NFL Game Pass sucks. Um, is it how ironic is it that it's a neck injury and Mike Glennon's our backup QB? I would want Mike Glennon to give part of his neck to Daniel Jones. Seriously, that should be part of his contract. There's a clause. There's a clause in the contract that says if Daniel Jones needs it, you need you to think give Mike part Glennon, of your neck. Glennon would give good neck. It, mm. Huh. All right. At least you caught that reference. I was seeing if it would go over your head. No, no, I'm not that bad. Um, part of me now. I wish we got a mailbag question about this. Um, but this also means a lot for the vacant GM position that will be. Dave Gettleman is. I wholeheartedly believe it in my heart of hearts that Dave Gettleman's going to retire at the end of this year. Yeah. So this this time that Daniel Jones may miss means a lot for the vacant GM spot. And I don't know if we want to talk about that now or do we want to pencil it until it, we have to talk about it. Yeah, I think let's, we let's wait. Let's wait because we, yeah. we, you know, we got some mailbag questions. Yeah. Last thing, Jake Fromm, who's kind of a part of this show. You know, it was a show joke in the 2020 offseason. I even, uh, t- not I, Tim from Florida called in and asked for the thoughts on Jake Fromm from Paul Dettino. Well, it started with And me. Lance Meadows said... I don't see how that's relevant. Well, how relevant is it now, Lance Meadow? Yeah, suck it. Suck it, Lance Meadow. Go check out the call on the Talking Giants Twitter. Tim from Florida. Um, he could predict you, the future. I mean, that's really what we found out. <coughs> oh, Tim from Florida knows everything. I mean, it did. <coughs> oh it did start with me because I. I don't know how it even came up. Like Jake, how did Jake Fromm even come up? And this was like, I was it before he was drafted or after he was drafted? I think it was after he was drafted. Yeah, it was after because it was like June. And I don't remember how it got shot. brought up, but it was right after he had that text that got yeah, he had a shotted. He had a racist, and you moment. said something. I was like, and I bait, and you didn't realize it. And I was like, oh, you love Jake Fromm? You're like, sure, I like Jake Fromm. And then yeah, I liked him before the draft, and then maybe you made a joke about the incident that he had about with the racist moment. And I had no idea. And I was like, yeah, I really like Jake Fromm. And I had no clue. And now it's just a bad look on my end that I'm not aware hear, of. They cut issues. me off on the phone call. And you hear me say, hear me say my friend, Justin, they cut I me do, off. Yes. They did cut you off because Lance Meno and John Schmilk got offended that you said that you liked Paul better. And I heard you say my friend, Justin. So. That was a great call. Um, <laughs> and we had that Sam Beal thoughts call the other day, which was funny. All right, um, this episode was brought to you by three special people. We got Christopher Stepin. He gets gets get the Stepin, Christopher Robin. Get your steps in. Michael, Michael O'Donnell. O- mm. Not O'Doyle, O'Donnell. Do we know? Tim O'Donnell, he works for the Giants. Maybe, maybe they're related. TJ O'Donnell is somebody that we know. I met him on Sunday. Yes. Anthony Walsh, who was actually Bill Walsh's son, um... That's all I got. That's all you got. Michael O'Donnell, is that... I know TJ's father's on Twitter. Is it? Is his name Michael? It might be. And I know Mike's been a follower of mine since, like, 2019. So, Mike, if you're listening to this and you're TJ's father, thank you. Those three people went to patreon.com slash giants. You get to hang out with us while we record the shows live. You get to hear us talk with the pre-show banter. You get to ask us some questions. Bobby Skinner does two shirt raffles per month. If you do the extra tier, 
and I think the ten dollar tier you get an additional. How many shirt raffles per month do you get There's if you do an, that? There, you you join the regular ones, but you get an extra one for the ten dollar. Only like eight people, like there's fifteen ten dollar tiers. Only like eight people entered it, so so odds which are, I actually have to do. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it as soon as the podcast's over. How about that? So odds are, if you join that extra tier, but it's optional. You can get an additional shirt per month, and uh, Bobby Skinner will send you some stickers, some magnets when you sign up. Patreon.com/slash Talking Giants. Thank you to our patrons. Uh, All right, um, send it to uh, Steve. Steve, take it away. Mail time. Mail time. The mail's here. Come on. Bye, guys. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. Thanks, Steve from Blues Clues. Justin, let's get into the mail. First one is coming from Robert Allen at GodChaser9. Sure. Is the Giants rushing offense better with Booker running instead of Saquon? It seemed to be more effective with Booker. So I think we are all, me and you have both kind of had put some focus on the running game and Saquon Barkley in general. Yes. Um, as like our points of analysis these a couple of days. Accidental, by the way. We did not plan on both diving in both analytics and film. We did not plan this, but we did. Yeah, I mean, the Giants run game is so... Bad. So now it's it's this. I feel like the Saquon like dances and stuff like that is being being taken too far. You know, like the offensive line is really bad. And I shared the clip of all the carries. Now the first carry is the worst one by far on Saquon Barkley's part. But after that, he follows his blocks. Like he maybe not be hitting it as fast as Booker would, but like he's not missing holes or anything. It's just the blocking is so 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 bad. You know, and you look at the comparative numbers. And I know you're, you've got some stuff on it, but it's like, I just don't, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not jumping on. I I just don't believe that. Like, I, I agree that Saquon, like, this is an exact reason of why you don't draft a Saquon Barkley, because even though he is coming off injury and he may not be his same old self, he's still a lot more talented than other guys. And he's still hit holes in his career and he's still broken a lot of big plays. And he really hasn't even had those big plays this year. No, I think he only has two runs of 20-plus yards. It was the one, I think it was the one on, on Sunday and then the one versus Washington. I mean, That's as long it. as 41, you know? So it's like, and past no, years, it's like, well, his, yard, yeah, like his yards per carry, um, you know, like, oh, it's it's so overinflated by the big runs, which is like, well, the big runs matter. Yeah. But it's like, this year, they're not. They're not, really, you know? No, I mean, he still overall is more explosive. When you look at rates of runs that are 15 plus yards and 20 plus yards he's still more explosive than Devonte booker uh saquon barkley 5.4 percent of his runs go 15 plus yards and Devonte booker 3.2 percent Devonte booker only one percent so i guess only one out of his 91 attempts have gone for 20 plus yards saquon barkley 2.7 so you know that's two two out of uh, saquon barkley's 73 rushing attempts have gone for 20 plus yards but it's when you start looking at the most notable comparison and the most noteworthy comparison when you compare Devontae Booker and Saquon Barkley as running backs this year it's plays that result in no gain or a negative gain and Saquon Barkley is almost at 25 percent of his carries either go for zero yards or negative yards and Devontae Booker is down to 18.6 percent that's a big difference that's basically one out of every five to six attempts for Devontae Booker 
that are going for zero yards or negative yards. And Saquon Barkley, it's one out of every four. One out of every four rushing attempts are going for zero yards or negative yards. And then there's no doubt about it, Bobby, that Saquon Barkley is more talented than Devontae Booker. But the fact that... But the fact that we're having this conversation and the fact that there is a valid conversation of who the Giants should be giving the ball to more, that is damning enough for Saquon Barkley within itself. Like, there shouldn't even be a conversation. There should be no conversation about, at this point in the season, Devontae Booker or Saquon Barkley, who should the Giants be giving the ball to more? There shouldn't even be a conversation. I don't even think the conversation is that valid, but it's but it's not even a diff- like Saquon like when you give the you know, one out of every four rushing attempts, it is a wasted play when you give the ball to Saquon Barkley. But Booker's numbers are bad too. Like it's not like Booker's numbers are good, you know. And it's like, look, Booker well, averages three point seven yards it's, for carries. It's what you, it's better than Saquon. It is better than Saquon. Fifty point five percent of Devontae Booker's carries go for three plus yards. Forty two percent for Saquon Barkley. Twenty nine percent of carries for Saquon Barkley are five-plus yards, 30.7% for Devontae Booker. 8.7% of carries for Devontae Booker go 10-plus yards. Saquon Barkley is 6.8, go for 10-plus yards. Devontae Booker, in every single category, zero or minus, one-plus, three-plus, five-plus, ten-plus, or is better than Saquon Barkley this year. I know this. you can't cut out someone's best game, but... We talk about every week on the preview, like you can't trust our run offense. Like you can't go into this game thinking you're going to run the ball well. The Raiders game was clearly Devontae Becker, Booker's best game, which took him from averaging less yards per carry than Saquon to above him. You know, and you look at the the, the games where Books got more yards per carry, more than four carries, uh, 1.8 yards per carry, 2.6, 3.4, 3.6, 4.0. You know, and then the Raiders gave me a 21 carries for 99 yards. Um, you know, and this isn't a – it's – like, I'm down on Saquon, you know, so I don't want this to be like... But you look at those plays on Sunday, and you're like, yeah, could could have Booker have gotten three yards where Saquon got one? Yeah, that's fair. But I also was like... But you know what? The big plays do matter. They're not happening, but it's it's, mo- it's mainly the offensive line. And again, that's why you don't yes, draft Saquon is. Barkley. It is, it is like 80% the offensive line, 20% Saquon being hesitant or dancing. Um you know, because I mean, Booker's averaging three point seven, Saquon's averaging three point six, and I think if you took Booker, if Booker was injured for the Raiders game and Saquon wasn't, I think those numbers are flipped and even a bigger margin. So again, the offensive line is much—it's the worst it's been in the last four years without Gates and Lemieux, with Gates and Lemieux injured, and then Nate Solder also being in there. And even Will Hernandez has been a bad run blocker; like he's been a worse run blocker than he has been in past years. Like the offensive line. It's just brutally bad as run blockers. Yeah, 21%. You know, like they, 21% when you combine Devontae Booker and Saquon Barkley's rushing attempts. 21% out of the two main running backs have gone for zero yards or negative yards. So both of them together, one out of every five plays for the Giants offense this year when they decide to run the ball is a wasted play or a negative play. That's bad, and that is a full reflection on the offensive line. So I don't want this just to be a... I hate on Saquon Barkley Fest. The offensive line is a huge, huge problem, and it is the reason it is the reason why there are tons of wasted plays on this Giants offense. And the Giants offense overall, including their passing offense, would be better even if they averaged just four, four and a half yards per carry. That's it. Yeah, it's, br- it's brutal. And I'm actually going to look up and see how running back-wise where they rank rushing because Daniel Jones inflates their rushing to where they're ranked like 27th. In, their, in the efficiency metrics of DVOA, they're ranked like 29th. And they consider running backs and 
and some some of the metrics that I was looking at today on Football Outsiders, where there's some things that they separate um, from quarterbacks. So it's not good. Here's what I was going to say. If Devontae Booker was doing what Wayne Gallman did last year, I think this conversation would be more like, Saquon, what's wrong with him? You know, and, and again, like Saquon has issues right now. But Devontae Booker's averaging 3.7 yards per carry. That's pitiful. Like, it's, yeah. they're both pitiful right now. You know, they're both. Like, if you track the Raiders game where Nate Solder was moving guys off the ball, no one's defending Booker you know, or saying Booker, you know. And again, look at those carries. The first one was bad vision on, on Saquon. The rest were were at least good vision. Now, he could he have been more aggressive with his vision? Yes, he could have. But, like, it's he's not went blind. And, you know, so it's just, like, this offensive line is significantly worse. Like, with Gates, Lemieux, and Fleming, and, and not because Fleming's good, but Solder's not here, and Zeitler... The offensive line was a lot better run blocking. But with what they have right now, it's pitiful. Like, Matt Skura is just not physically... Like, he's like there's a reason why I feel like he's a high IQ player, but he's not good because he doesn't have the physical traits. That's a reason why, why he was a UDFA. Billy Price sucks. Will Hernandez has been... It feels like Will Hernandez is getting worse every week. <laughs> and then Nate Soldier is obviously bad, you know, so... And what makes it even more pitiful, Bobby? What makes it even more pitiful is you talked about Wayne Gallman in 2020. Wayne Gallman faced an eight-plus man box 40% of the time in 2020. So that made like, wow, he's averaging over four yards per carry with an eight-man box over 40% of the time. That's that's kind of impressive to to do that to, and to just take what's in front of you and, and methodically just keep things moving, right? But Saquon Barkley and Devontae Booker are basically at about 15%. They're both at 15% facing an eight-plus man box on their carries. That is a dramatic, dramatic difference. Dramatic difference. So it's not even like Saquon Barkley is demanding the attention of eight-plus man boxes, and that's why his yards per carry is less than Devontae Booker. No, they're facing those eight-man boxes at about the same rate. But that I think it's even more of a reflection about how bad the offensive line is, is that at least last year when they were stacking the box, they were able to be efficient, they were able to keep things moving. Whereas this year, teams aren't even that concerned about stacking the box against the Giants on those rushing downs because they know that they can just beat that offensive line and make plays on the ball carriers. And they've adjusted to like the pulling plays where it's like just spill inside, spill inside, yeah. spill inside because that's that shuts down their running game. Like that's how they got better as the season went along last year when they were pitiful at the start. And it's like, well, teams caught on to that, and it's like, okay, well, you can't you can't zone block us, you can't block us, and then when we're pull when you guys are pulling, we're spilling inside and we're screwing that up too. So the Giants' run offense is pitiful, and it's the, it's a perfect reason why you don't pick a run pick Saquon Barkley. Um, and I don't want him extended. I want him traded, all that. But I also am just like, you know, the offensive line is the major issue here. It's Saquon's not the he's a part of the issue, but he's not the major issue. Yeah. And Devontae Booker not being good is a part of the issue as well. But the gap shouldn't be that close. That's my point. The gap should not be that close. You know, when you're talking about Devontae Booker, who's on his third team and he's a journeyman running back versus Saquon Barkley, who was touched by the hand of God. Right. You know, it should not be that close. And it's unfortunate because of the label of being the number two pick. It's unfortunate for him, but it's just the situation that we're in. All right. You ready? Move on. Next question. McConkie's towel at the towel, everybody's favorite Twitter account. I've heard that Parrot isn't playing because he's in the doghouse for mental mistakes in practice as well as overall intensity, but also because he's so valued as a swing tackle. If that's how he's valued, then the staff must like his talent, thus not starting at right tackle is crazy, right? So let's break break that down for me a, 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 little, a little bit, Bobby, because there was a lot in that question. 
Um, I'm seeing if I could just pull up the clip from Tynes' podcast because I feel like that would just do a good job of where this is yeah. coming from. Tynes heard from David Deal. <laughs> or Sean O'Hara. Or um, Sean O'Hara. I, I think it was... Eh, I think Deal's more likely to say something like this than O'Hara. So, I mean, it, it was someone who knows offensive line but also was connected as far as having sources. And Deal is still... Mm, he works for the team. Tomato, tomato. Could be either way. Okay, here's the clip. I'm just going to play it. So, this was on the Blue Rush podcast. They gave us a shout-out, so we'll give them a shout-out. On attraction with regard... Paul, I did some research here. I reached out to an expert, offensive line guy, proposed a question last night on Twitter that got a lot of traction with regards to Matt Pert. Why is he good enough to start at left tackle when Thomas was out but not good enough to play right tackle? So I reached out to my source. Okay, I'm not going to name him. Offensive um, line guy is the name of the Offensive source. line guy. This OMG. guy, this guy played the game. He covers the game. He knows what the hell he's talking about. This is what he's heard. That Pert has had a lack of intensity at practice and made far too many mental mistakes. And they think he's in the doghouse. On the flip side of that, they also think he's almost too valuable to play at one position or the other because he is the swing tackle. Left tackle, right tackle. So if Solder gets hurt, he goes to right. If Thomas gets hurt, he goes to left. If he's starting in the game at right, God forbid you don't want to put Solder at left. I don't even want to let Solder watch my kids, for God's sakes, for 30 minutes while I run to the gas station. He is bad. Holy cow. All right, so that's basically the gist of it. And this is exactly what I said on... Um, Sunday, by the way, on you know, on a Monday show where I was like, I, I don't. Th- it must be that he just doesn't have that dog in him, and it must be that he just doesn't have that it factor. But we already dismissed that don't as a it. bad don't reason. Buy it. Because don't buy Na- it. does Nate Solder have that dog in him at this point in his career? No. Here's what happened, because because I I don't I don't you know I times heard that, but I just view that as someone told him propaganda essentially, um, you know, for the Giants. I think Parrot probably had a bad training camp, and they panicked and started Solder. And they don't want to bench Solder because of the relationship, the kind of person that he is, the things that he's gone through his life coming back. I, I really think that's as simple as what it is. Now, it's a stupid reason, but that's what I think it was. Again, this isn't like some, like, Parrot is so good, Parrot is so good. Because I bet no. you Parrot does have, like, a lack of intensity, and that's something we talked about. It's like, he needs to be more aggressive with his hands. Yeah, on, on the, the PPP. The flip, yeah, we talked yeah, about it. Here's the flip side of that, Justin. Where's Nate Shoulders' lack of intensity? Like, he shows no intensity. Before the whistle, or between the whistles, or after the whistle. Shows no intensity. Mental mistakes. Nate Shoulders makes plenty of mistakes. Where were all these Matt Parrott mental mistakes when he was playing left tackle? And then so, but, like, they have all these issues, but they value him as a swing tackle. The value I, 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 as a swing tackle, that's the one that bothers me the most. That's BS. Like, what? That makes, that makes zero sense. Like, I, I refuse we, to believe we anyone value even... Him. We value him too much as a bench player for us to start him. I refuse to believe any coach told anyone that. I no. just refuse. Like even as like, because that's bad. That's not even good propaganda. That's bad propaganda. I feel like that was just someone inferring and saying like that makes zero sense. That like oh he's so valuable that we don't play him. Like how about how, how come Solder can't be the swing tackle? He literally played left tackle for ten freaking years. That's why like, you restructured him. That's why you restructured his contract. If. The plan was to p- prepare to start, and I really think they panicked because he didn't have a good camp. I'll never forget Lexi Solder quote tweeting you, getting all mad because you gave him a compliment, and you said, and she said, "Actually, you said actually he yeah. sucks, Lexi." Wow, I don't think she's listening to this. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, this is why. Also, by the way, huge reason why if he had that bad of a camp. 
This is why you got to open up training camp to the fans. This is why. Now That's a very us problem, not 99% of the fan base problem. I know it's an us problem, but at this point, now I know the Giants aren't thinking about what talking Giants are saying and you know if they're if if we would ever save face for them, but this is why it is beneficial because you literally have an, a, a mob of an angry fan base saying why is this guy playing? But if you had even 5% of the fan base, 5% of the fan base that goes to games every single Sunday, 5% of the PSL's, PSL holders get in some training camp practices and say, Matt Parrott's not that good. Matt Parrott's, I, I would be sitting here on this show, maybe about 20%, that's the number that I decided today, 20% less upset that Matt Parrott's not playing because I, I do take training camp very seriously. And I'm like, you know what? Wasn't good. Wasn't good, and maybe there's no difference between Matt Parrott and Nate Solder at right tackle. Maybe there's no difference. But still, even that, even if he had a bad camp and they said that he sucked, he sucked, he sucked, and Ben Wilkerson had to get in his face, and when I saw it in New England, Ben Wilkerson got in his face and had like this pump-up talk about, like, you got to show me more. Even if he hasn't showed you more, it's still a piss-poor excuse to play Nate Solder at right tackle. Yeah, Nate Solder's been pitiful. Although I do give Will Hernandez half the blame on that big tackle for a loss by Solder. Um, <clears throat> Hernandez should have done a better job. Or Solder should have cut block him. But anyways. All right. Next question. Next question. Giants future at future underscore Giants. More O-line talk. Why did we abandon the O-line rotation? I wasn't, I wasn't the biggest fan of it. But if there was a time to do it, it would be now. If they won't start them, at least get guys like Parrot and Bredesen in for a couple series. We invested draft picks in those guys. At least give them a shot. So... I changing this question into a Bredesen question because we just talked about Parrot and I I'm not I'm not asking for the rotation. You know, right now the pick difference of the you know the pick swap they did with Bredesen is between 109 to 167. So you know a difference of 59 picks. And what what did we give up? Which one did we give up? We gave it 109. We got 167 and Bredesen back. Oh, perfect. You know, Skura is who he is. Billy Price isn't going to be good. Bredesen is like, you know, you look at his draft profile and you're like, you know what, maybe he could end up playing, you know, but he's got, he's got to develop and they put him in and then he got hurt, you know, he fractured his hand. At what point do they just put Bredesen back in? He's healthy, right? Yeah, he's healthy. Like he's, he's on the, like, uh, and this is one I'm not banging the table for because I, I can, I can very well see him not being better than Skura, but at what point do you, what point do you put Bredesen back in? I feel like it's time now. And I'm, again, I'm not banging on the tail for Ben and Brett. Ben Bredesen, but I feel like he should be playing, like, I don't know, like, can he be much worse? No. No, we already discussed how bad the run game is. No. <laughs> we become an Isaiah Wilson podcast? No. No, I can't. As much as I would like to, I can't be, I can't bang on the, t- I can't even say, like, oh, they. What's what's the deal with Isaiah Wilson? Um, how about uh, how about if Jake Fromm and Isaiah Wilson somehow make it to training camp in preseason next year? That'd be a hell of a time, Jake Fromm and Isaiah Wilson, and let's get some other ex Georgia Bulldogs from that 2019 team in here, and we'll all we'll all we'll all have a party in the fourth quarter of a preseason game. Andrew Thomas, people were I saw someone say that we should start Jake Fromm so it could be a rematch of the 2018 yes. BCS National Championship game. Yes, it's a great idea. Fromm versus Tua. Um, and then they can play, and then they could play. He could play versus Justin Fields in the Week 16 game, wow. or 17 game. Just, just full circle. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah. All right. Next question. 
Eric Brown at Eric B6310 with Holmes and potentially a Dory Jackson missing time, which Darnay Holmes is on IR. At this point, if you're put on IR, you're out for the season, right? No, it's only three weeks. Okay, only three left. weeks. Okay, with Holmes missing time and uh, a Dory Jackson potentially missing time, do you think the DB alignment changes or do they just roll with what worked versus Philly? So what do we think they're going to do with the DB room? I actually don't think it's that complicated. If Adore plays, Aaron Robinson plays the slot, Logan Ryan's back, McKinney, and then Love will be, you know, that guy who moves around. If Adore misses time, I put Aaron Robinson on the outside, Julian Love in the slot, and everything else stays the same. I, I just, I don't think it'll be that, com- you know, obviously Parker and Reed are going to yeah, get Stephen some. Actually, no, Reed probably won't get any reps when with Logan Ryan back, but Parker will get some reps um, here and there. But I, I don't think it's going to be like a, a huge, like, you know, thing like now Holmes is playing all right and the guy who hurt him was crying like a little bitch after the game yeah that was um, absurd yeah what a loser like I don't care how good that guy is I don't think I would even trade him for Nate Solder crying after a, a week 12 game what he was senior in high school and you just lost the state championship yeah seriously like dude gr- please grow up like I, I honestly don't think I would trade him for Nate Solder right now like crying after a regular season game poor Darnay Holmes he was he was hurting Went to the hospital. Yeah, that hit was violent. He's um, all right though. He's a warrior. He's a friend of ours. We interviewed yeah, he, him. Yeah, he he was playing. He played after that too. So guys, guys a banff. Um, so rooting for Darnay to come back. But I I, I think it's as simple. As, I I don't think it's really that complicated because Logan because Logan Ryan's back. If Logan Ryan wasn't back, it'd be a little complicated because yeah. what do you do with Julian Love? But I think it's just simple as if Adore plays, you put Aaron Robinson and Julian Love in the slot. You know, rotating. If Adore is out, you put a. Uh, you put Robinson outside, slot in, uh, love in the slot. Yeah. Good problem. Good problem the Giants have, you know, when all those guys are healthy. You know, Holmes, Robinson, and Julian Love, if they want to continue with the too high safety look, and you can have all these guys alternate in and out um, as, a, as a slot corner, and, you know, Love can substitute in there at safety too. I mean, it's a, it's a great problem. Aaron Robinson had a really, really good game. So uh, I'm excited for – for those guys when they're healthy. And then thank God Aaron Robinson's looking good or else, you know, Darnay Holmes going out and we're really scratching our heads being like, Oh, what are we going to do? So I'm glad this is all kind of, I hope I didn't overrate Aaron Robinson. I feel like I may have, cause I got a little excited. No, I I think he's playing well. Um, you know, he, he, it's inevitable that he's going to maybe have a bad game, but I think giants fans should be excited over what he's done so far. I mean, he's physical. He's playing good. He's playing, you know, he's going up there with contested catches and, you know, he's making some good plays. So, should be excited. Cry, Eagles, cry. Next question. Nicholas Nicholas. Great name. I am Nick Hearn. Who would win most improved player on this Giants team? I mean, is it not Xavier McKinney? Yeah, I had Xavier McKinney. I feel like yeah. it's pretty simple. What about Chris Myrick? Oh, I mean, well, yeah, I guess he, how many, he played two games, right? I have a really good Chris Myrick tweet coming out later this week. I'm really excited to share I'm it. I'm excited for you. Um. I'm excited for that. Um, yeah, it's McKinney. I mean, McKinney, you know, we talked about it. We talked about, like, he's been playing really well. And you can, it's not just the interceptions. Like, he's playing a, a more aggressive player. He's playing faster. And it's showing up. You know, it's not, and again, it's not just showing up on interceptions. He's making plays. He's stopping plays from being made. Like, and again, at the beginning of the year, I thought he was a bad player. Like, I just thought, I thought he was a bad safety. And it wasn't, it didn't mean I hated him and thought, like, he wouldn't ever be good. But it was like, right now, he's not, he's just not a good deep safety, which is a, it's a tough spot to play, you know, because you're tasked with stopping the big play, but also coming up and playing aggressive. It's a, sort of a very frustrating position to play. 
um, because it's the margin of error is so slim. But he wasn't good at it, and the past few weeks he's been really good at it. I may I might just vote for him in the Pro Bowl. I think he deserves it. Uh, I I really do, and sometimes it's tough because we're not always looking at other teams around the league. But some people have done a, a pretty good, solid job, um, you know, all around looking at Xavier McKinney's season. Uh, PFF grades. I'm gonna mention it over the last couple weeks. Ugh. I think he's been. I know. I think he's been like the second highest graded free safety in the National Football League over the last couple weeks. I think he's officially played PFF seven. PFF gives me COVID. I think he's officially played in 17 games, and I think he has 86 tackles. Um, you know, let's actually look at this right now. I actually have his pro football reference page pulled up right now. Um, let me see if we can combine things. Yes, all right, so I have it right here. 86 tackles, one tackle for loss, 10 passes deflected, and six interceptions with one touchdown. So, I mean, that's his 17-game season, which is now a full season in the NFL, and that's all as a as a free safety. I mean, if you if you were to tell me as a free safety, 10 passes deflected, six interceptions, and, you know, he's a lot of 57.1 completion rate this year, which sometimes it's a little sketchy to look at completion rates allowed as, uh, with, like, safeties and linebackers, but, I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty darn good, so... Um, this is basically Xavier McKinney's rookie year too. His full, his full slated of his rookie yeah. year. Where last year you got a little, you got a little spritz and four games started, six games played. But you know this year is basically like his full rookie year, and you know he's getting the hang of it and he's improved. Which that's the that's the big thing is that he's improved over time. Who would you be your number two? Well, I think player. there's only two people who could even fall into the category, and they both have a number eight in their jersey. I'm I'm thinking Austin Johnson as an improved player from one year to the next. He could be it. And he does have an eight in his jersey. Yeah, I thought about him. How about Daniel Jones or Evan Ingram? Ev- now, Evan Ingram, I mean, what, what's the what's the basis for saying Evan Ingram? Not turning the ball over? Uh, so, yeah, that, I mean, that's... that's I know it sounds low, stupid, but that's it's kind of real. Baseline. Which I can't believe he almost it almost happened again on Sunday. Um, I was. We, I think were, were we both laughing. I think we were both laughing. It's like you, it's unreal. <laughs> of course, it's, of it, course. It's, it's like I can't believe it's back. It's kind of funny to talk about a tight end, but like you know, he's cut down on the turnovers. Um, yeah, that's. I don't consider that a a really good baseline for improvement. I mean, no, well, no. He, okay, so here here's the baseline for improvement. Remember how I kept on saying last year that Evan Ingram was uh, the worst person in the entire NFL to throw the ball to on an EPA basis. I guess that's not the case this year. So you know what? That is a good case. That is a good basis for improvement. Thomas would be the one if it's just looking at one year and then looking at the next year, though. Yes, but I don't. I, I don't look at it that way. I. But he has improved significantly from week seventeen as well, though. You know. So yeah. I guess Andrew Thomas would probably Andrew Thomas would be the number two for me. Yeah. Even 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 just going from week seventeen to this season. Yeah, because week think. seventeen you weren't you weren't talking about Andrew Thomas as. This anchor and the and this guy that you could fully trust and a guy that could transform the offense versus this year, and basically since the start of the season, you have been evaluating Thomas in that kind of way that has been clamping down and has transformed the offense, you know, at certain times. So, um, I'd say to all these guys have eights at the end of their jersey. What's up with that? Besides McKinney, I fantasized about doing our end of the season awards show, um, which means that I the, the Giants are down bad when I'm fantasizing about that episode. <laughs> uh, all right, all right. Uh, next question. Yeah, speaking of um, our reaction at the game on Sunday, Matt at NFL Fan Matt 
What's the Bobby Justin dynamic watching a game together? Is there constant conversation? Is Justin his usual analytical self? Is Bobby taking online notes? Um, what's the what was your vibe? I feel like we were kind of just doing our, our kind of our own thing, you know. Yeah. You have a. I feel like you have a very like uh, this is my game day groove, and I was like I'm not going to get in the way of his game day groove. I do have a game you know, day it's groove. Like, where I'm I'm actually pretty quiet unless it's like booing, you know, like I'll boo with the crowd. Um, but it's like it, I've also come to a point in my life it's like I'm at the top. Me yelling really doesn't do anything. Uh, you know, if I'm at my college's basketball game, I can yell and it'll, it'll be funny and make an impact. Me yelling, me yelling there sucks. I actually don't watch the O line a lot because I don't get to watch the DBs and the, like the wide receiver routes develop right. on TV as much. So I actually I I key in on that. Yeah, how many guys are in the box? I love watching the safeties. Um, I, I read um, I read a Pat Kerwin's book to take your eye off the ball, and what he says is that quarterbacks every single play. Like, they look at the safeties, and then they look at the linebackers, then defensive line. Now, that's actually the exact opposite of what Peyton Manning said on a Manning cast, where he says he looks at defensive line, linebacker, safety. But, I mean, he was talking pre-snap recognition, and maybe Pat Kerwin was talking about post-snap reads. But I just love looking at the safeties. I mean, where, where the safeties are going, if you're playing single high, two high, uh, that tells a big story about what a defense is doing and where a quarterback could go with the ball. Um, that you cannot tell on the broadcast angle. You you just can't. Unless you could see like a guy like Jabril Peppers is in the box and maybe he's coming in for a blitz. You just flat out can't see it. So that's what I like looking at at a game. And I'm a big I'm a big talker. I like to talk a lot yeah. throughout the game. Um, I'm not really a yeller or a screamer. Um, I do at, at certain spots. I do when it's funny. Like I kept on screaming, throw the ball when the Eagles were throwing it. And it was funny because every time they threw the ball, it was a negative play. Um, so yeah, it was, it was fun. It, the funniest moment of the game though, was one of the first plays of the game when Billy Price didn't snap the ball, when the Eagles jumped off sides and we both said at the same time, snap the fucking ball. That was, that was, I think that was a, the best a plus moment of the game. Yeah, it was, it was a good time. I, I actually don't mind being up top, even though I probably got coronavirus from someone around there. Yeah. Um, I just saw a meme from the Florida Man Instagram page, and it's like Florida's the only blue, like it's like blue with like COVID, and everywhere else is red. So yeah, well, it's warm. Just just stay, go to the warmth, people. Never coming back there again. Never. Everything Never. bad in my life is because of New Jersey. All right, next question. Yeah, the Giants included. Jake Barrow at do a Barrow roll, which <laughs> I, I saw some Jake tweets today, and the Giants have kind of defeated him. He's like, I'm not doing film stuff. Like, unless Jones comes back, he's like, they've they've defeated him. And I feel bad because Jake's a good guy and he's a smart dude. So he asks, when it comes to the run defense, would you put more blame on the front four to five getting moved or back seven filling, missing Blake Martinez or schemes? So are we blaming kind of defensive line, linebackers and secondary not making the plays or Blake linebackers Martinez missing time? I, well, I'm with that, you on those that. Are, those are big time. You know, um, like we I talked about, like I just want – Leonard Williams and Austin Jones and Dexter wants to make more plays. Well, it's like, you know what? I need to be a little more nuanced. Like, it's not as simple as that. Um, Tay Crowder played. Like, I know he had the interception, but, like, he played bad. And, again, it's – and part of it is they play light boxes, and then you play a guy like Jalen Hurts, and it's like, man, you just kind of – you know, if they pull one guy, you're just so outnumbered. Um, yeah. You know, so it's, it's part of it has been scheme, and, and I like the scheme. I mean, Patrick Graham over the past – the past out of every team's past five games, the Giants are ranked third in points per game. Um, so it's worked, you know. But it's 
you know, I'm starting to understand why when you like would say stuff like I'm willing to give up this amount of yards per carry to oh. play more to the second. I'm starting. No, I'm starting to understand Carl Banks' point of view because oh. watching your team get run on sucks. It really does suck. Okay, like it's infuriating. And for a guy that played line, like I'm really starting to under Carl now that I'm seeing it happen to my team with with you know my eyes. That is like it's somewhat by design where it's like this really sucks watching happen every time. Okay, it really does. All right, well, it sucks to watch it, but have the Giants not dramatically improved in I terms know, of their points works, per game? It sucks. And... It works. It works, but it's not fun. It's not. It's it's really. It it, it sucks watching your team get run. I okay, get. Well, it's smart. I could I could care less about again. I think Patrick. I know you shouldn't. Me. This is a me and Carl Banks problem. But watching your team get run on sucks. It just right, sucks. Well, well, you and Carl Banks suck um, in that in that regard in that opinion. So, um, the, what the main the main difference between these last few weeks is. You know, yeah, the Giants can't stop the run to for, for anything, right? Can't stop the run for anything. But last few weeks, the Giants have allowed like a 55% pass completion versus the first few weeks of the season. They allow quarterbacks to complete the ball at like a 75% rate. You know, guys like, you know, this is why Xavier McKinney making plays on the football and being that threat back there as like, you know, the, the too high safety and taking care of his half of the football field. This is why that's so huge is that guys can force incompletions. You can deflect passes. You force turnovers. Now, the thing that I am afraid of is that the Giants are forcing turnovers at such a bananas rate right now that one of the things that is not fully sustainable, at least on a season by season basis, maybe on a season by maybe in like within the season, it's sustainable. But like next year, one of my worries for the Giants defense is going to be they're probably not going to be able to force turnovers at the same rate that they are this year. And that has me worried about the Giants. That has me right. But if you can generate the pass rush, then you can force fumbles, um, et cetera, et cetera. But or just shorter drives. You and uh you you and Carl Banks gotta get over that. I know it sucks to, you know, have teams run I don't I'm not saying I like teams running for two hundred yards against us, because if the Eagles didn't turn the ball over four times, then that's the main point of the game that we're talking about is why did we allow 200 yards rushing? And that's why we lost the game. Um, but Hey, you know, if you could stop the pass in the NFL, a lot of other things get easier. So. All right. Do we have, I think that's the last question, right? Yes. That's the last question. All right. That's an episode. Um, appreciate all of you guys, except for whoever gave me coronavirus. I know it was somebody from the tailgate. I'm going to figure out who it was and I'm going to kill you. Wow. Um, yeah, that's just the way it is. Um, if if I die, you're gonna have to die. Uh, I'm actually like, as the, the show's gone gone on, I'm feeling worse and worse. Like I have no air conditioning on. I have a hoodie on now. I don't have a shirt under my hoodie. I really love this hoodie, by the way. This NAS one I got for like 15 bucks at Ross, and I'm literally like just got my arms like tucked in, and I'm freezing cold right now. Well, you didn't test positive yet. No, I might just have the flu, which is like you forget that that still exists because of coronavirus. I wonder if we've said it enough times for YouTube to put like a little disclaimer about coronavirus. Let's oh, see. that is, that is Let's, true. Can I say something that will get this video taken down from YouTube? No. How about we don't do that because this is probably going to be a big episode. All right. All right. You you freaking you win this time, YouTube. Um, all right. <laughs> we appreciate you guys. We'll see you on Friday for a Dolphins preview. Previewing Mike Lennon as the starting quarterback. So you better freaking show up. Um. So well, I don't even know if I have COVID. So I don't. I don't want. Don't tweet at me. Hope you're feeling better because I might not have COVID. All right. Appreciate you guys. We'll see you on Friday. Until then, let's go big blue.